0: Lord, oftentimes I really feel like I'm at a loss for words when I think and reflect on the incredible brokenness that we experience in our nation and in the world. A lot of times I don't even know how to pray for such things. But Lord, at this time, uh, we pray that you would be with the families and loved ones of those who were lost during these two shootings that happened this past week. In the midst of this darkness and difficulty, we pray that your presence would be that much more present in their lives. And you would remind them that you have not abandoned them. And for all of us who are observing and watching these things happening from afar, Lord, may we not blame you for these things that happen. Um, while we can't acknowledge the brokenness and the fallenness that exists in our world, Lord, we acknowledge that you're still with us and that you are loving and that you will always be loving, even when we don't understand. And be with me as well, Lord, as um, we study your word and really dig deep into this idea of reconciliation. Um, it's kind of it's putting me in a different place uh, when we're talking about this. and. The brokenness in our world seems so evident and so powerful and overwhelming sometimes. It's just a reminder to me how desperately we truly need you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for doing that with me. It just kind of felt weird just to jump right into God's word today without at least acknowledging that. and morning together. Um, again, my name is Al, and it's a privilege for me to be giving you God's word today and to be worshiping with you all. I love Missio, and I love all the things that Missio is for. And so um, it's, I'm grateful to be giving you God's word today. Uh, I came back from a trip to Europe a few weeks ago, and I wanted to share with you some of the things that I've been learning during my time there. Part of it was like, uh, for learning, for enrichment. Um, and I was taking these like, classes over the past nine months with this group called the New Begin House of Studies. And it all ended in Cambridge in the United Kingdom. And so I wanted to share with you a little bit about my time there and what I've been learning, not just in Cambridge, but over the past nine months. And so we're taking a little break from the Book of Psalms series. And I wanted to share with you a little bit of uh, what I've been learning. So before I get into that, I wanted to share this little story, OK? Because you know, back when I was younger, I thought I knew everything. Um, I, I thought I knew exactly what the gospel of Jesus Christ was. I thought I knew what it meant to be a good Christian. And uh, I had all the answers, and I knew everything, right? So when I was in um, high school, <laughs> my Bible study teacher at the time, he took a group of us. Um, you know, we're, we're in high school. I think this is like ninth or 10th grade. And uh, he gave us this stack of these things called tracks. Does anyone? Do you guys know what tracks are? Yeah. Um, <laughs> those of us who are older all raise our hands. Uh, millennials have no idea what tracks are. Uh, so okay, so I brought a picture of what a track looks like, um, and it's uh, right here. Okay, my Bible study teacher gave us like each of us these like stack of these like thin little booklets called tracks. All right. And this is the exact one that uh, he gave us. They're called the four spiritual laws. It's this idea that like God loves us and we've been separated by God, and it's really like summarizing the entire gospel of Jesus Christ, the story of Jesus Christ, in like just a few pages, right? In a few short pages, it's like you know, it's like that small, right? And um, so we we went to we drove to Glendale Galleria, right here, all right. Why are you laughing? (laughs) We drove to Glendale Galleria, and we stood in front of the mall, the entrance of the mall, where people were, like, walking in and out. And, you know, I I almost, it's almost a little culty now that I (laughs) think about it. But we would stand in front of there, and, like, we would approach people and be like, do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? And they'd be like, uh, get away from me, you know? Or, like, you know, some of them would say, like, yes, stop talking to me. And some people would, like, straight up, like, cuss us out, right? (laughs) But once in a while, like one out of every like twenty people would be like "No, and then we would get into this discussion like, "Well, have you heard about the four spiritual laws?" and then I would give them this like talk this like spiel right and um, it was almost like I was making a sales pitch, okay and uh somewhere in this story was this it, this picture that we human beings were on one side and God was on the other side and there was this big gap in the middle that separated us that was caused by sin, okay? And it looked a little bit like this, all right? Have any of you seen this before? Yeah? You guys know what I'm talking about? All right? All right. And so uh, as a result of sin, we're eternally separated by God, right? And this, I know that gap doesn't look very big, but it's supposed to be <laughs> so vast That we can never cross over to God on our own, right? And so what did God do? He sent us Jesus Christ, right? And then here's the next boom. (laughs) Right? And (laughs) this isn't supposed to be funny, Katie. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. So he gave us Jesus Christ and you know he created this bridge. Now, seeing how big this person is, it looks like he could easily jump that, but the whole idea is, like, the gap was, t- right, um, I shared this picture to my house church a few weeks ago, or a couple weeks ago, and, you know, we have one African-American brother in our house church, and he said out loud, why's he got to be black, uh, but, <laughs> it's a silhouette, I think, I didn't make this, okay, I just found this online, it's a silhouette, okay. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't even think about it. I'm like, oh, that's, yeah, I can see how it could be misinterpreted. Um, <laughs> why's it got to be a man? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are you leaving the women out? Like, women don't sin? Um, okay, so. <laughs> all right, we're getting way off track. Um, okay, so I-, I need your help, all right? I need your help. I-, I wanted to get your feedback a little bit. Let's talk about some pros and cons to this model, all right? This kind of pitch, if you will, all right? Uh what are some pros like what are some like good things that you can see from this model Yes, it doesn't take much training or classes or anything like that to, yeah it's, what else? what are some Yes, yes, it's very, very simple easy easy to understand. Good. What else? Jesus is the only way to God. Yeah, it's kind of cut and dry, right? Yeah. What else? It helps to understand where Henry and the Mirrors came up with this. Mm. Because what she would say is, uh, just as there are... She was a chemistry teacher. Okay. Of she went to work the press, And, course, and uh, so she would say, just as there are physical laws of the universe, mm. and spiritual laws. So mm. Cool. Okay, I never thought about that. Cool. All right, what else? What are the pros or benefits to this model? Sin separates us from God. Sin separates us from God, yeah. Yeah, yeah, everyone is in the same boat or whatever. All right, now, let's get to the fun stuff. All right, what, is, uh, what are some criticisms uh, that you could see, some cons or some criticism that you could see with this model? OK, it doesn't really show the process or maybe even the spiritual journey that everyone goes through. Okay, how does it apply to my everyday life? Yes? It really sin. Okay, it doesn't really define sin. Yeah, it's using this presumption that, like, oh, everyone knows what sin is, right? Yeah. But if you haven't really grown up in church, you don't really know what that is. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yes, it uses Jesus kind of like a means to an end. Um, and I'm just curious, sorry, because why is that a problem? I, I think I know what you're getting at. You want to elaborate on that a little? Um, well, I don't want to try like, to the Trinity and something like that. Mm-hmm. Important, yeah, interesting. It emphasizes using Jesus? What's really interesting in this picture, okay, kind of piggybacking off of what you guys said, what has Jesus been turned into? An object. A bridge, like a literal object, right? So we're, in this model, you're literally objectifying Jesus, Right? And when you're doing that, uh, it kind of has this um, effect on your spiritual life. Right? It, it, you kind of have this like, consumeristic attitude towards Jesus. Right? You're literally objectifying him. And the, kind of, uh, the other thing you said about like, the Trinity, I'm, I'm assuming God is like God the Father. right? What do you see that's missing here? <laughs> the Holy Spirit. Why is the Holy Spirit not a part of this at all? Right, the Holy Spirit is so important in like speaking into your life and guiding you and giving you spiritual gifts and like giving you compassion for others. And uh, so, it, while this does help, it is helpful in, in in some ways. It does kind of have some issues into it, right? What are the next four spiritual laws? Uh, well, the four spiritual laws was like God loves you sin separated you from God, and Jesus is the only way, and, uh, and the fourth one is, like, you be united with God forever. And so this is, like, a very, very simple breakdown of all four kind of together, right? And so uh, some of the criticisms of this is, like, it's, it's not Trinitarian, right? We, we're objectifying Jesus, and it, it feels very, like, uh, consumeristic, right? It's overly simplistic, and it disregards the entire narrative of the full gospel, right? Um, uh, uh, s- s- social justice advocate and author Dr. Krish Kandia, calls this the emaciated gospel. Uh, another um, uh, social justice advocate and author, her name is uh, Lisa Sharon Harper, he call- she calls this the thin gospel. And philosopher and theologian Bon Vert would call this skinny love. All right, three, four people got that, all right? Bon Iver is this like, amazing like, folk singer, right? And he has, you know, his most popular song is called Skinny Love. And when um, someone was um, interviewing him about that, his, uh, asking him about that song, why is it called Skinny Love? And he was saying how like he's, he's kind of sick and tired of skinny love. He wants a love that's fat. He wants a love that will make him uh, laugh, will make him cry, will make him angry, will make him get into arguments with other people because of this love. He, uh, he, he wants to experience everything that love entails. He doesn't want a love that's skinny that will just make him feel good. He wants a love that's robust, right? That's full, all right? And uh, this is kind of like thin theology, or the, uh, what Dr. Candia would call the emaciated gospel. Now, Jesus, okay, um, uh, Jesus, em- he embodied, he incarnated And he is the full expression of the gospel. He is not just about giving us the golden ticket into heaven. That is not what the gospel is. It's so much more than that. And if you have, if you treat Jesus this way, like as an object, you have this kind of consumeristic approach to the gospel. What can Jesus do for me? Right? What can Jesus do for me? Now, um, the, the... class that I've been taking these past nine months um, is called Newbegin House of Studies, and uh, it was named after this theologian, this missionary called Leslie Newbegin and he was uh, a missionary to India in the mid twentieth century uh, he's He's British and he was a missionary to India and he was kind of revolutionary at the time because he, he came into India as a missionary and not seeking to like colonize India a lot of like uh, peop- missionaries from the UK would come into this like foreign country, well, to them it was a foreign country, and they would try to turn these people into uh, British people pretty much right They as Brits thought like we have the superior culture, we have better education, we have the superior rel- religion, and so we are going to turn all of you into us right uh, Leslie Newbegin didn't think this way, right he He went into India and he pretty much became Indian. He learned Indian. He wore Indian clothing. He lived with the locals in the places where he was serving, and uh, he he wrote these books, but they were like very very like thin books. They were like really short because he was often writing when he would be in trains, like handwriting, like when he would be in trains and uh, when he would be traveling back and forth, and he would just go back to his home and just write a quick something and then go out and like help someone. Fix their roof, <laughs> and, or like, uh, or, or like, uh, talk to the local people and like hang out and have dinner with them, right? And he, his nickname was the theologian on the move, the theologian on the move. And uh, I brought this quote from him: "Man is in a state of contradiction against the natural world. Man is in a state of contradiction against fellow man. Man is in a state of contradiction against his inner self, and man is in a state of contradiction against God." Now, that thing that we were talking about earlier, it only mentions, it's only talking about that last part. Man is in a state of contradiction against God, the spiritual brokenness, right? But it really neglects everything else. But Jesus Christ came to reconcile everything that's broken, not just get us into heaven, right? This is what I thought the gospel was when I was in high school. It's just believe in Jesus Christ so you could get into heaven. But Jesus Christ came to do so much more than that. He came to reconcile everything that is broken. Right? And in the passage that we read today, uh, this is what Jesus Christ calls us to do, is to be ministers or ambassadors of reconciliation. Jesus Christ is the epitome of that, of someone who came to reconcile all that is broken in the world. And he is telling us to come and go to the places where we live, go to the places where we work and play, and bring reconciliation to all the areas that are broken. Now, in today's passage, it's a, it's a really famous verse that many uh, people who grew, who grew up in church might have memorized, and that's verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, uh, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. But a lot of times, many people just read that one verse and forget everything else around it or kind of neglect everything else around it. But really, this entire passage that we're talking about is, you cannot be a new creation if you do not seek to bring reconciliation everywhere else, right? Just think about this concept, Okay. Uh, Lesson you begin, he's recognizing that this world that we're living in is broken. There is brokenness all around us, right? It's not just about fixing this. okay? It's about fixing the relationship that we have with the natural world or the environment, the way that human beings have mistreated the world. It's about uh, reconciling the brokenness that we see with other people in relationships. Right? And it's uh, even recognizing the brokenness that we have in ourselves. Right? And this is really like forward thinking. When he's talking about the contradiction against his inner self, he's really talking about emotional health, what we would call emotional health today. And he's recognizing that as a result of our sins um, or imperfections or selfishness, uh, there's even brokenness within ourselves that only God can heal. So this passage that we just read, it's really talking about being ambassadors of reconciliation. Now, that word is kind of a loaded term. Uh, What does reconciliation mean? and uh, if you look it up in the, in the dictionary, uh, reconciliation it has like several different definitions. One, it means to unite or to harmonize. That's kind of beautiful to harmonize. Uh, another definition is to bring restoration. Okay, and another definition, this is interesting, is to befriend. To befriend. And if you really think about. Why Jesus came to this world? He came to reconcile all that was broken, right? And you could kind of trace it back to Adam and Eve. Okay, so we I brought this little diagram for us. One back, yeah. That one, yeah. All right. So here we have uh, Adam and Eve, right? And um, you don't have to believe in the literal Adam and Eve. Okay, if you think of Adam and Eve as like a representation of the you know, people who sin, just think of that, all right? But uh, I'm using Adam and Eve as the example because you know, they are the first uh, example of like, people who sinned against God, right? And when they sinned against God, right, um, their relationship with God was broken, right? And that's the, sp- their, the spiritual brokenness, right? Uh, but it's, th- that's not it, is it? That's not the only thing that was broken, right? If you know this story, right, after uh, uh, they disobeyed God, their relationship with God was broken, but their relationship with each other was also broken, right? They were blaming each other. Adam was like, no, it was her fault, right? And like, that was broken, right? And then the relationship with the environment was also broken. Garden of Eden, right, that God created. It was, it was paradise. They were living there. It was like beautiful, and it was no longer paradise, right? Even that was broken. That was tainted. And even the relationship within themselves, their inner self, do you remember, like, after they disobeyed God, um, uh, they felt shame, and so they covered themselves up? I mean, they were naked the whole time, uh, but they were totally fine, like, frolicking, like, naked. <laughs> uh, but they felt shame after that, right? So the, there was brokenness within their own selves, right? And so all, all of this was broken, and Jesus Christ came not just to get us into heaven, and let's go to the next slide. Um, he came to heal all that was broken, do you see that? You see what we did with the cross right there? Right? You see that? <laughs> Boom. <laughs> um, and I kind of wanted to, gosh, uh, I mean, some of it was like lighthearted today. Uh, man, but this this past week is just a painful reminder how messed up our world really is, right? How broken our world really is. Jesus didn't come to earth just to get us into heaven so that we could ignore what's happening here and now and just hope that, oh, you know, after we die, it'll be all good anyways. No, Jesus came to bring healing and restoration and reconciliation here and now where we live. Uh, I've been reading this book. I have this goal. Um, for the rest of this year, and probably also for 2020, is to read more books by women and people of color. And I've been reading this book by Lisa Sharon Harper. It's awesome. Um, And she describes the gospel like this. If one's gospel falls mute when facing people who need good news the most, the impoverished, the oppressed, the broken, then it's no gospel at all. Shalom, which is the Jewish idea of peace, shalom is what the kingdom of God smells like. It's what the kingdom of God looks like and what Jesus requires of the kingdom's citizens. At its heart, the biblical concept of shalom is about God's vision for the emphatic goodness of all relationships. This is what the gospel is. It's not just about getting us into heaven. If we reduce Jesus Christ to that, then we don't really see Jesus for who he truly is. Now, um, I grew up um, in, in a Korean-American church. And um, I don't know why this is such a new concept for me. It, sh- it really shouldn't be a new concept for me. But you know, I grew up in the Korean American church, and my understanding of being a Christian was just top down, just the just the top down part, right? And the other areas, it was really not really talked about that much, like in my church growing up, in my home church growing up, for whatever reason. And I don't think um, like Korean pastors or Korean churches are to blame for this, because a lot of the history of the Korean church has to do with You know, uh, the Korea's relationship with American missionaries. And it's like these American missionaries who came into Korea in the 20th century and really teaching them like a very simple version of the gospel. Okay. And so I would grow up in these like Korean churches, um, and a a lot of the pastor's kids in these churches, like, they hated going to church. Right? And, they, uh, and you know, they would be like super rebellious. And they would like, have terrible relationships with their pastor parents. <laughs> and uh, a lot of these Korean churches that I grew up in, like um, the pastors, you could just tell that they were very like, emotionally unhealthy, you know, never taking a day off, being workaholics, and just like, not really taking care of themselves emotionally and spiritually. Um, they're doing the work of spirituality but not taking care of their own spirits, you know? And so kind of neglecting the other three areas that Jesus called us to reconcile. And I don't even, and I used to think, you know, as a, when I was younger, I used to think like, oh, they're such hypocrites, right? But I don't, think, I don't even think it's that. I think they just didn't know. I, think, I didn't know. I didn't know that the gospel entails so much more than just my relationship with God. It's about bringing reconciliation everywhere, everywhere that's broken. One of my favorite authors, Dallas Willard, he said this, the gospel is less about how to get into the kingdom of heaven after you die and more about how to live in the kingdom of heaven before you die. The gospel is less about how to get into the kingdom of heaven after you die and more about how to live in the kingdom of heaven before you die. Now. Um, what, what does this mean for us? Well, I think another way to look at this is can be summarized in another letter uh, of the Corinthians. So Paul wrote this letter to the church in Corinth, right? And the passage that we read today is his second letter to this church in Corinth. But a good way to summarize what we should be living for is, can be found in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, this famous chapter on love. And then verse 13 says this, and now these three three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So what is the life of faith supposed to be all about? It's it's supposed to be all about love. Really, when we're talking about reconciliation, it's about bringing love wherever there's brokenness. And so I'll I'll leave us with this. Living a life of faith is not about having all the right answers. It's about reconciling relationships. I used to think that going into seminary, uh, becoming a pastor, my goal was to know all the answers that people throw my way. And don't get me wrong, like having good, sound theology is very, very important. But it's not more important than relationships. right? Knowing all the right answers about God, like, yeah, that's all fine and good, but it's not more important than love. Love is the most important thing that we can do as followers of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, speak to us. May we be sensitive to your voice, to your guidance, to your leading, to your prompting, to bring healing where there needs healing, to bring unity towards brokenness, to bring love where there's anger and hatred and division. Jesus Christ, you are the embodiment of the kingdom of God. You represent not just the coming of the kingdom of God, but the characters, the characteristics of the kingdom of God. Our desire to want to be like you is to be ministers, ambassadors of reconciliation wherever we are. Give us eyes to see the brokenness that exists all around us. Give us a heart to feel the pain that comes with brokenness all around us and give us hands to serve those whom you called us to serve. I know that even personally for me, uh, it's kind of overwhelming thinking about all the brokenness that is existing in this world. And it's not a matter of accomplishing certain goals, Lord. It's about becoming more like you. Lord, who we are, Lord, in our identity, Lord, the goal is to become more and more like you and to love others the way you would want us to love them. Help us to be those ambassadors of reconciliation that you desire us to be.